Welcome to the Questions for the Sages podcast. I'm Michael Scherer. My apologies for my froggy voice. Levi has led quite a life, and next week he'll be moving on to the temple grounds. We go over some of his life story and look to the future. You can hear the Questions for the Sages podcast on questionsforthesages.com, the Questions for the Sages Facebook page, Apple Podcasts, and on YouTube. Thanks to the Hare Krishna community of Potomac, Maryland, for making this podcast possible. Welcome to the Questions for the Sages podcast. I'm Michael Scherer. Uh, sorry, I have lost my voice today, but... Uh, I, I definitely didn't want to skip an episode, and, and I'm very happy that Levi has agreed to talk with me. Thank you for being here, Levi. That's my pleasure. Thank you for inviting me. And uh, you said that you've just been coming here since July, July 1st. Yes. Today is December 3rd. Yes. 2017. Yes. And uh, w- what happened to you? I haven't missed the Sunday since. Oh, yeah? No. <laughs> Is that true? That's, yes, it's true. You haven't missed a Sunday since July 1st. No. Why not? And I drive to, to a round trip two hours and 20 minutes. Really? Every Sunday, yeah, yeah. You must, you're, you're motivated. I am passionate. Motivated and passionate, yes, yes. And oh, About uh, what? What is it that motivates you? <clears throat> uh, you want me to start at the beginning? Yeah. Okay. Uh, I was over in Hawaii for two years, two months. I went there from working at a juvenile detention center as their uh, OPN nurse there. And uh, when I was over there, a a roommate of mine was moving out and there was this little pamphlet called The Perfection of Yoga. And uh, everybody knows I went to Hawaii to do yoga postures and uh, um, meditation so I would be able to write this book for the children in the uh, juvenile detention system. Uh, I was giving them a lot of encouragement about things that I went through um, as a child growing up and all the advice everybody gave me. But one of my major players in my life has been uh, a man called Jesus, who I refer to as my guru. And I always felt that... uh, there was a little bit of a misleading there or uh, that his teachings were second rate to uh, the sacrifice on the cross. And yeah, whose teachings were? Jesus. That, that uh, the crucifixion is sort of revered and put on a higher, put at a higher level and status than what he actually came to teach. Absolutely. Everything for me, he's my savior because of the example that he set and all the the truths, wisdom and truths that he shared that helped me through so many stormy waters and, you know, yeah. And uh, so there's always been that bond. So back... So you've always been, you've always felt, okay, these are are two different things, sort of. You've always been either really religious or you've been really attached to Jesus. Which of the two would you say? Uh... (laughs) Uh, before you come to Krishna consciousness, uh, anybody would want to talk to me about religion. Yeah, I would say I'm. If I talk to them about God or Jesus or Christ, uh, I would say please, please don't get me mixed up with religion. 
Okay. I, I don't want you to be disappointed. I, you know, I know there's a lot of people saying one thing and doing something else. And uh, I want to give you the, the foundation of spiritual life, and that is uh, teachings of Christ and uh, how they can help you be an overcomer and not always, you know, just think, okay, I'm going to accept Christ as my Savior. My sins are all forgiven. You know, I, you know, do the best I can, you know, type thing. <clears throat> but I need the encouragement, and that I got through his teachings. Okay. Uh-huh. So, so, so the answer to that question is far more an attachment to Jesus than oh, absolutely. Being, being a religious person. Absolutely. And would you say you're not a religious person? No. No. And how did you find out what was in the Bible, what the New Testament was about? Who conveyed that knowledge to you? It just spoke to me. Well, what do you mean? Like, in when? What, what, when were you, re when did you read the Bible? Did you start out young? I, I didn't read it that much. I was, I had what they call uh, ADHD, yeah. attention deficit disorder. Uh -huh. And so reading was kind of punishment to me. So I, it was just things that I would hear. From who? Everybody and anybody. A lot of times it was in, in churches. I grew up in Lancaster County, Pennsylvania, amongst the Mennonites and the Amish. Uh -huh. I met a teen Mennonite boy when I was in first grade. Uh, Harold, I won't say his last name. And uh, Team Mennonite? Yeah, they would drive horse and buggies. Okay. And they had uh, gas lamps and, uh, yeah. So no electricity whatsoever. And, uh, yeah. No, wait a minute. You met? Met him in first grade. And... Was he a Martian to you in first grade? Was he like from a different world? Oh no, he was my buddy. He was my. But where pal. were you from? Well, I was from the English. <laughs> As in Lancaster County, you're either from the Mennonite or the Amish, or you're English. Uh -huh. Okay, and I was in a street home up uh, on Main Street. Is that like being a goy? Uh, probably is <laughs> anyway sorry. it sounds like it might be uh they're the english uh, type wow. thing yeah so i started going down to their farm daily after school really and their lifestyle was very peaceful i come from a broken home uh, my mother tried to do the best she could um there was alcohol involved in my family and there was fighting involved in my family and, and a lot of divorce you know so mm -hmm. it was it wasn't a very peaceful place. It wasn't very conducive. Yeah. So when I would go to the farm, uh, and per se the Mennonite farm, uh, the lifestyle was very slow. Very well, what did and what did your family think about that? Like, oh, good, someone else is taking care of him, or or what is he doing out in the cornfields? My mother called uh, the the lady. They they did have a, They did get a telephone, and she called the lady up. And her name was Emma, and she said, Emma. He does have a home. I do love him. <laughs> she says, I right. just can't keep him here. She's like, Akval Jean. <laughs> He's wow. like one of my boys now, she says. Uh, it's, yeah. And the story that she told me was when you first came to the farm and you stood outside of the door and you had your curly blonde hair and blue eyes and you said, may I please stay and play with Harold? She said, I just didn't have the heart to run you off. She said, I never wanted the town kids to influence my children, you know, on, you know, worldly ways. And uh, so she said, you just fit in. You just became one of my boys. And uh, yeah, it was, it was an amazing life. Tell me what the religious life of this family 
was like that you sort of were adopted, semi-adopted into? Well, this, this is a very strange thing. On Sundays, I never showed up. I never went there on a Sunday. Uh, it was, everybody was two different people when it came to Sundays. Uh, if they had, I might have tried once or twice, but if they had family there, it was almost like I didn't exist. And, uh, you know, that I, I didn't pay much attention to it, but I knew if I wanted that good feeling that I have when I go to the Martin farm, um, don't go on Sundays. Okay. Because they're very much into their pious lifestyle or that's their day of religion the rest of the week is just trying to make ends meet but by doing it separate from the way the world yeah there's a teaching in the Mennonites in the Amish and it says be not conformed to this world but be transformed by the renewing of the mind yeah. I never got that much out of the last part be not conformed to the world was the part they took and ran. That was the ball they took and ran mm -hmm. with. Okay. Uh, the renewing of the mind was, it just was foreign. I, nobody talked about it. Nobody talked about it. Yeah. They do in Krishna the, consciousness. Yes, they do. There's a uh, this radio show called Renewing the Mind. Oh, really? Yeah. Oh, wow. I used to work at a Christian radio station. Oh, nice. Yeah. Yeah. yeah we used to play Renewing Renewing the Mind and a few, and a few others. It was it was very very good. It was yeah. very high quality. Yeah. Renewing the Mind. So, yes, it that's that's interesting because those two have to go together. If you're turning away from society mm -hmm. and not renewing your mind mm -hmm. while well, you're say, basically uh, becoming a hobo or, or a, a, you're, I don't know. It doesn't you're, seem... you're, you're driving your mental and emotional state deeper into the ground instead of addressing it. Yeah. So you do have to have the, the mind renewal. But Oh, definitely. You have that first. <laughs> mm. And then you won't be conformed to the world. Mm. Yeah. Well, in that way, it's a lifestyle. And th those are two sides of a single coin and not two separate, unrelated things at all. Exactly. But then how come they were so successful at only one side of the coin? What happened? Well, I don't know that they were that successful. Um, but it sounds like you deeply value that experience. Oh, oh most, most definitely. But it gets better. Hmm. It gets better. I did join uh, the Mennonite church, but it was the Car Mennonite church. Oh, okay. So you drove. Yeah. And then it took another turn. Uh, one Sunday there was a group uh, from the Beachy Amish. They were, took, they were Amish people who took Mennonite ways. Menno Beachy was their leader. And so they be called, became the Beachies or the Beachy Amish. Uh, and it was the Mennonite Amish church. Okay. Okay. Now there was the coming together of the renewing of the mind and um, a lifestyle separate from the world. Be not conformed to this world. Um, and so that was six, almost seven years, even a more euphoric uh, lifestyle. But that was just going to the church because I had started farming my, on my own. Oh, wait a minute. Okay. Okay. And let's, yeah. we're not going to lose up. our place, but yeah, you're going to back a little bit yeah. up. Is So when you became a beachy Mennonite, mm -hmm. were you, where were you living? 
uh, we had left the town. Who was we? Me and my mother. Okay. It was just me and mom. And we had left the town and went to a small farm down in Narvon, PA. And that threw me right into, took me away from the Mennonite community that, that farmed uh, with steel wheel tractors, iron wheel, steel wheel tractors and horses, into the Amish community that just farmed with horses. So all my neighbors were Amish. I must say, this is not only an interesting story, I think it's, it's certainly a piece of American history. Um, I just throw that as a side. So you and your mother moved down to Pennsylvania. We, we, I was born and raised in Pennsylvania. But you moved to where in Pennsylvania? Narvon. It was 18, Narvon. 18 miles east of us, closer towards Philadelphia. Okay. We were 55 minutes from Philadelphia, 55 minutes from Harrisburg. Okay. Okay. Let me add something. Sure. What made some changes in my life from, I mean, we did geographically move uh, away from Blue Ball and the Team Mennonites and everything like that. But what I, what I was missing in the Team Mennonites was spirituality, was that, that, that God spark, that, that no, wait a personal minute. relationship. No, wait a minute, wait, 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 wait. You, you, you looking in retrospect, you see that this was missing. Yes. Did you know it was missing at the time? No. I was a young boy. Oh, how old? Oh, uh, it was eighth grade. So when you say you converted to uh, Beachy Mennonite, you mean your mother converted? No. No, mom was disappointed. She said to me one day, she says, I feel like I failed, like I wasn't good enough. Like, like you know, what I raised you in the church and the catechism that you went through and everything like that was just you know, we just and what did there. she raise you as? Uh, it was United Church of Christ. Okay. And it was infant baptism. Uh huh. Yeah, yeah. And okay. then you did catechism. Uh, there was a certain time mom just said, you're going to join church. And uh, yeah. In fact, the, the day of the catechism, um, I'm not exactly sure what the word is anymore, uh, but the day that our class was taken to the church, I actually spilt my wine cup, <laughs> so I only had a, a bit of a taste. So it's it's never been a smooth move. There was another time where I bumped candles over and almost set the church on fire. Mm. So <laughs> there was times where I felt like I certainly don't belong in some kind of a church. But I would imagine it was not something you were willing to give up necessarily. No, wait a minute. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. With the um, the family. The Mennonite family that you first met yes. up with, yes, you didn't go there on Sundays. No. Did you go to church with your family on Sundays? Yes. Okay. Yes. So you, you grew up regular Sunday service. Yes. Yes. And at, at, at this point, was this something you wouldn't be willing to give up or just something that other people just took you to church? No, mom took me to church and, you know. But, but for you, were you, were you a passive observer or were you into it? I wasn't into it. Okay. I slept. Okay. I always slept. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but, you know, I you have mentioned a couple of times uh, a, a little bit of, I don't know, is it frustration with the renewing of the mind, with um, the, the sort of danger of turning from the world without renewing your mind. Uh, you're sort of hinting at these dissatisfactions in this, and what I can only imagine is in the context of all of these communities and religions uh, yes yes 
I could add some astrology to it and say that I'm born in September under the sign of a Virgo. Yeah. Uh, and Virgos are always looking for perfection. Uh, somebody told me three of my strengths was, was challenged oriented, uh, uh, introspection, and discriminating. I did not get what discriminating meant until, I believe, uh, here at Ishkan. Uh, and uh, discriminating means being able to separate or know what is real and what is not real. Mm-hmm. And uh, I, I, I said this when I was a boy growing up. I said I just do not like it when people's playing church. I just I don't oh. dig this, this church play, this better than thou attitude. Well, what, and then is that is that what you, you, you felt like to you? Just oh, pe- that, that just was posing. Bad, that was a bad taste in my mouth. Yeah, very much so. Hmm. You know because what you, you you became distrustful. Yeah, highly distrustful. Yeah, you know, yeah. And it started with my dad leaving my mother and mom saying things about dad. So the distrust started to build. And then um, when I was looking for a father figure or, and here comes Jesus, uh, when I was looking for a father figure or an example, some something to look towards, something to give me guidance, something that was solid and would always be there. And, uh, yeah, so um, the distrust started to build. And then when I saw it, you know. Well, we haven't even got to Jesus yet. (laughs) We've got to various religions and groups and people you're with. We didn't get to Jesus yet. Okay. (laughs) You you lead, I'll follow. (laughs) Well, I'm to sort of just, and we're not in a hurry. I just want to sort of unpack what what exactly uh, what exactly brought you here on July first, but. You said that you were, uh, now where was it? You were, you were at a, a juvenile detention facility as a nurse. Yes. You said at the time you were doing yoga. Uh, I wanted to get back into it. You wanted to get back yeah. into it, which means you, how did you get, when, where did you go? How did, how did you go from this to Jesus to yoga and then out of yoga? Uh, back at 41, I stopped farming. When I was 41 years old, I stopped farming. And uh, I had gotten a revelation that uh, I was some type of in the field of healing. Uh, I, actually, somebody counseled me and told me that, you know, I would have this kind of gift of healing and I needed to pursue some avenues of this. Uh, I, I see that today in a much different light than what I saw back then. Back then, it was almost like a fairy tale type thing. I'm like, you know what? They're like, you don't get it, do you? And I'm like, no, not really. I can lay my hands on someone and I can heal them. I can see inside of them. I can heal them. It just doesn't make sense. So they said, well, check out healing modalities. And uh, so I went to Tampa. First time I ever left the farm and left mom. And uh, got a uh, degree in massage therapy. It was Suncoast School of Natural Healing. Mm-hmm. And uh, being a dairy farmer, I was always tending the animals, treating the animals, learning about nutrition, learning about ill health, learning about good health, you know, and what it takes to have a healthy animal and a healthy, mm-hmm. you know. And then I applied that to my own life mm-hmm. and anybody that I met. So then the massage came into play. Okay. Um, well, wait a minute. There's I mean, a reason I'm telling you this and I'm, I've lost Well, my... um not every 41 year old farmer gets up and goes to Tampa for a, uh, uh, for a healing seminar. 
Okay. Um, oh boy, I've, I've had quite the life. At age 38, I had a, a, a breakdown. As the Bible would say, you give me an empty vessel, and I, God said, and I will fill it up full to overflowing. Okay. Pressed down and overflowing again. Uh, at age 38, I became frustrated and broken. The Mennonite church did not solve my problems or change me. Uh, the Amish Mennonite church did not solve my problems or change me. And uh, I started some drinking uh -huh. weekends. And uh, it came to the point where I was actually mentally, spiritually, morally, financially broken. Hmm. I was totally broken. And I had a meltdown in our kitchen and I ranted out. Jesus said that I've come that you may have life and have it more abundantly. And I looked at my family in a rage and I said, I don't have that and I want that. Oh. I said, I have eyes, hands, and a brain. There's other people that are making it in life and not struggling and here I'm struggling. And I said, there's gotta be more. And I said, I don't know how I'm gonna get this. And, uh, and I just slammed the door and walked out of the house. Something took a hold of my life that day, and I feel that I was totally empty that day. I really was broken inside. Well, you know what's interesting? Because on that day, you actually made a request. <laughs> yeah. You know what I mean? Yes. And it sounds like the, the snapping point involved the request. Like Jesus says, I can have life more abundantly. I don't have abundant life. I want abundant life. And, I want and that was... That was actually, um, that was a breaking point or a, or a turning point, yeah. right? Yeah. Just to say, well, wait a minute. Yeah. What, wait, I read this. I'm seeing this. Something, something's not right. Okay, so what happened? That was 38. You were 38. Somebody said one time, God can't use a man until he comes to the end of himself. Hmm. That day I did. For the most part, okay? So everything started changing. Everything started changing. That led me to the massage school. But first thing that started changing was I started remembering gospel, uh, uh, Bible verses. People was like, how long have you been studying the Bible? I said, I never studied the Bible. I said, I just find these spiritual truths in here. And I said, they are making so much sense. Earlier, I was at a motivational speaker seminar. And the first day, it was like, what? Huh? What's he talking about? The second day, it was like somebody flipped a light switch on. I'm like, this is exactly what I've heard Jesus speak about in the Bible. Mm. I, I, I mean, I, I know we're... Can, go ahead. And, and just for, for context, how often did you read the Bible? Was it just for, on Sundays? Just when, when I would go to the uh, Amish Mennonite church. Okay, yeah, okay. Yeah, so, but yeah, back to the... Uh, yeah. And so I was starting to discover these spiritual truths, you know, and then someone says, well, you know, you're, you, you've got the gift of healing and everything like that. You know, you want to check out avenues to cultivate that and bring that out in you. So I went to Tampa and uh, went to massage school down there and came back. Uh, how, where was the massage school in relation to your breakdown at 38? Um, it was doing my plan for my life and then coming to the end of myself, becoming that empty vessel, like, you know, 
I want this abundant lifestyle or this, yeah, that Jesus talked about, but I didn't know how to do it. So part of me had surrendered that day. Mm -hmm. And I started to intuitively wise pay attention. My awareness got very keen, mm -hmm. okay, uh, on what people said, what, what I read, um, where I went, where I was led. I mean, I was led to metaphysical bookstores. I was led to The Course of Miracles. I was led to Louise L. Hay. Now, <clears throat> um, someone who knew you at this point, would they say, Oh, there's Levi. He's at a he's at a metaphysical bookstore, uh, of course. Or would they say, "What is he doing in a metaphysical bookstore?" Most everybody thought I lost my mind. Was it true? Uh, <laughs> I lost one 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 type of a mind. Uh, yeah, yeah. Most of the Christians were kind of trying to save me. Well, did you did you become a little erratic or or eccentric in how you dealt with other people? I was excited about these truths that was glazed over by Jesus's teach the Jesus's teachings they were kind of glazed over and everybody was trying to point me and make me aware of the devil and save me from hell and save me from you know uh, you know I must be afraid of God oh that was that was that was the coup de gras this ongoing fear of the Lord I said I don't need to fear God he's my best friend he said, I'll never leave you nor forsake you. He even spoke, I will stay with you closer than a brother. So why would I fear that? I said, what I fear is what Michael Jackson called the man in the mirror. Hmm. That's the guy I fear. Well, the man in the mirror is me. That's the person I was afraid of. No, wait a minute. Go ahead. So... You had this. You had this breakdown, and and I'm trying to um, correlate the breakdown with with someone who's sort of overcome with zeal. I was overcome with zeal. That's for sure. Very passionate. And did people were like were people like Oh, Levi's coming. Get ready. <laughs> Here it comes. Uh, Michael, what I had to learn was I wanted to save the world with this new insight that finally made me happy, gave me something to believe in, something that I knew uh, was time-tested. I mean, I was way-testing and analyzing everything that everybody said, and I was watching everyone's lifestyle, uh, you know. Not that that saves a person. At that point, uh, I was watching because I wanted to... I tell people I'm a bottom-line person. If you want to share something with me or whatever, I want to see the results. It's like yeah. if I'm going to plow ground and cultivate and plant corn and fertilize and keep the weeds out of it and everything like that, I want a good harvest. And I'm willing to put into that 100% because I want 100%. Who wants, who wants to be half happy? Who wants to be, you know, uh, yeah. I, I mean, I want to be, I used to say my life was like a gas gauge when the when the the needle on the gauge would go below a certain point and I lost my happiness I lost my mm. gas I lost my happiness it wasn't nobody else's fault it was mine I had to reassess my life what am I doing um, which they call today karma the Bible speaks of it as uh, the law of sowing and reaping mm -hmm. and metaphysics or science they cause it called cause and effect mm -hmm. it's very real 
uh, energy that's out there and inside of each of us. Uh, so, uh, yeah, I would always be trying to keep that, that happiness meter as full as possible. And I knew it was by me participating in my life, being the key player, you know. I soon came to the realization we've got to give up this blame game. It's mom's fault. It's the church's fault. It's the government's fault. It's God's fault. No. <laughs> it's People say it's not all about you, but some days I feel it is all about me. But what I do for me has a ripple effect, and I do it for everyone around me. Mm -hmm. And what do you do? Uh, what is it that you do for everyone around you? In the juvenile detention system, there was three key factors that they wanted the youth to learn to fit into society hmm. in, a, in, a, in a healthy in a healthy way uh, number one it was be respectful mm -hmm. number two is follow expectations uh -huh. you know follow the laws you know and uh, yeah and then number three is because it was juvenile detention system uh, it was uh, invest in your own treatment now Okay, that's you and our detention system. Michael, when I was little, my mother told me, she said, uh, back when I was little, they called me Bobby, because my middle name is Robert. She said, Bobby, I want to tell you something. Everybody in this world is crazy, just some's worse than others. So that went in my computer of a mind, and it stayed there, because I was like, what? What is she saying? Yeah, yeah. Okay, so I'm always amazed by certain things. The second thing she told me uh, when I would be freaking out in life about different things and, you know, I was very emotional about different things that was going on, she would tell me, Bobby, it's all between your ears. It's all between your ears. So she had a kind of a, um, a rustic wisdom. She right. was she was a fence row spiritualist. <laughs> mm -hmm. Where she got the knowledge that she shared with me, I have no idea. I mean, I know it come from her mom too, because her mother gave me wisdom. This was the wisdom, either it was Christ's teachings in the Bible, or the wisdom my mother shared with me, or the wisdom my grandmother shared with me, or my uncle. It just seemed like everybody that I came in contact with adopted me and tried to help me. And they couldn't. Well, they, they gave me uh, different uh, spiritual nutrients hmm. that, that kept me going because yeah. I never ended up in a juvenile detention system. Oh. I never ended up in prison. I never ended up with a DUI or drug overdose or, or whatever. Yeah. Okay. You never hijacked an airplane. I never hijacked an airplane. <laughs> if I didn't meet a police officer, I would tell the boys or girls in the juvenile detention center, I said, when you meet a police officer, just say, yes, sir, no, sir. Because right. he's an authority. <laughs> he's going to win. You're not. So anyways, yeah. So uh, where are we at right now? Well, where we're at is... <clears throat> I know. You had a, you had the breakdown, and I think I see that as sort of a, a critical point in this story. Oh, definitely. And then, um, and then you went and studied massage therapy. Yeah. Uh, with the idea of leaving the farm. Uh, yeah, yeah. I didn't want any more of torturing animals. I was a dairy farmer for twenty-one years, and uh, the things that go on at a farm to make ends meet, 
And uh, yeah, and a farmer has a bad day, just like a father or mother has a bad day. Mm. Uh, some days children are going to suffer. Yeah. And uh, uh, animals suffered at my hands too. And uh, wow. I don't like to talk about that. I don't like to think about it. Yeah. Uh, since that day, I've tried to sow as many good seeds as I can, you know. Yeah. Not per se for that fact. It was just my life was led in a whole different manner from that, that day in the kitchen saying, Christ, Jesus said that we should have life and have it more abundantly. And I didn't know how to do it. Mm. And then here's where we were, kind of. Mom instilled in me that there is emotional challenges in this world, and everyone's got them, and I would have them too. Because she said all my problems were coming from between my ears. Mm -hmm. And probably they really weren't problems, but the mind will make them problems. So um, uh, after massage school, massage school, oh, uh, I got into massage therapy, for several years and it was mostly in the Mennonite Amish neighborhood for some reason or other they trusted me mm -hmm. and they allowed me in their inner circle yeah. uh, they would ask These were your, they became your clients yes. as massage yes. okay and I studied herbalism and I shared herbs with them and vitamins and minerals and in the meantime I had studied uh, or read Louise Hayes books uh, you I'm can, not familiar with uh, she's a metaphysical teacher uh, she wrote a book you can he uh, heal your life Mm. Uh, you can heal your body, she wrote. Many, Hay House publication, uh, Wayne Dyer was big. Wayne writing. Dyer I've heard of. Yeah, well, they published a lot of his books. Yeah. Um, so she was a big teacher in the metaphysical movement for positive affirmations. Okay. So with long at that period of time, after massage school, uh, reading her books and then going to a class called A Course in Miracles. You know, trying to get us to see The Course in Miracles is another channeled course by Jesus Christ. And it is all about the illusion that the mind creates and the ego and the insanity of the ego. This came up in, a, in another podcast interview, previous okay. one, The Course in Miracles. I think okay. it's with Champakalata Das. Oh, Davey really? Yeah, oh. I think. Yeah. But anyway. Yeah. Okay, so you yeah. got it, did The Course of Miracles? You Like you went, you did The Course of Miracles? Yes, yes, yes. Okay. And see, this was, this, it, it just backed up Jesus' teaching again from back in the Bible. Even Louise Hayes was, uh, how do you want to say, uh, had the footprints of Christ's teaching within her books. Uh, and it is all about love and compassion mm -hmm. and recalibrating the mind, recalibrating the brain, because it can be, as Prabhupada would say, a rascal. I would call it a rascal. Yeah, because it's always putting out uh, opinions or options for us to take. Now, back when, uh, when I was a boy, I thought everything that came into my mind was the voice of God, and I should do that. <laughs> sure. And I yeah. should do that. Uh -huh. Okay? Yeah. Um, yeah. So, after a bit... Sometimes I, I still think that, but, <laughs> but, I, but I get disillusioned pretty quickly. <laughs> yeah. What goes around comes around fast, yeah. faster these days. So... Uh, yeah, so I would, I, would, I would talk with the Mennonite and the Amish people, and they wanted to know about their ill health and uh, you know, why they had so many afflictions and things like that. Well, was, your, was your dairy background, your sort of a, did that help? 
Yes. I would imagine like it yeah. would trans some some things would transfer to people, right? I was able to relate to the country person. I was able to relate to the okay. Mennonite farmer. I was able to relate to the Amish farmer. But know? at this point you're a massage therapist. Yes. And in in what other ways are you sort of uh relating to them in this way? Or are you are you Well, they do know that I come out of the Amish Mennonite church also. Yeah. Okay. So you speak anything about Jesus to in the Mennonite or the Amish secular, uh, you you, you kind of have a, a, a front row seat with them, okay? Because you're talking about somebody that that they are indoctrinated with, so you have something in common. Yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah. Sure. So uh, yeah. Okay. So you started to did you had you stopped farming? I had stopped farming. Yes, I rented it out. And you were now a full-time massage therapist? Full-time massage therapist, yes. Okay, so how did that go? It went fine. Um, I, I never felt I was good enough. They always told me I was very good. That Virgo thing, that perfectionism. Mm -hmm. And, uh, uh, yeah, and the mind was always criticizing me, you know, the, you know trying to make me not feel good enough. And... Uh, but the frustration came in was I'm learning all this new way of living through Louise metaphysics, the Course of Miracles, and even applying Jesus's teachings to everyday life. I mean, really applying them. Just like if you open up uh, a new KitchenAid tool or something like that, and there's a manual, and to get the most out of that KitchenAid uh, product, you need to read the manual and follow the steps. And if you do that, you're going to love that machine. It's going to work well with you. And remember I said I'm a bottom line person. The end result is you're going to have satisfaction. You're going to be happy. So Christ's teachings, you know, were the foundation, you know, to a happy, successful life. So the operating manual. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, it's, it's a guidebook. Um, I used to tell the children in, in juvenile detention system, I said, the Bible has, uh, is, let me make the Bible simple to you. It's just like this. It's trying to teach you, do good, get good. Do bad, get bad. It's just like that. Every story, every story, every sermon, everything that's in there is do good, get good, do bad. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And then the realization that there is a God and... Uh, yeah, and it just gets better. Did you uh, sort of, <clears throat> when you were doing the massage therapy, was there anyone, uh, uh, religious people who you looked up to, who you felt were your, not your peer, but maybe a little higher than that? Or did you feel like you pretty much knew <laughs> what was going on as well as anybody around you? I felt I knew what was going on better than anybody around me. Okay. You know? I was just like, yeah, it was a kind of a lonely existence, you know. I had the strength and the, and and the, I felt the strength and the power, you know. So I was I was sailing above everybody else, and and uh, and I wanted to save the world. Well, sure, of but course. The, but the world didn't want to be saved. Yeah, well, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That's I mean that you've opened up a a rather large discussion there. Yeah, uh, yeah and in fact, I. I you're you're sort of giving me so much information. I'm I'm almost like, it's like whoa, like this I'm is sure. yeah. But 
there are there's many other things I want to ask. Um, to what extent were you filled with the Spirit and true, uh, like really spreading the message of, of message of Jesus? And to what extent were you delusional? Uh, I can sum that up with the lady who taught me the Course of Miracles. Uh-huh. Uh, she was a German lady, a very heavy accent, and she would talk about the Holy Spirit this, the Holy Spirit that, and everything like that. One day she sat me down and she said in no uncertain terms that uh, I did not practice what I preached. So if we were to ask her, she would probably say delusional. Yeah. Yeah. And what about you, though? Now, you felt... Were you experiencing a euphoria? Oh, or, yeah. Were you sort of... Okay. Now, usually, this is <clears throat> this is best exemplified, I think, by the story of Icarus and Daedalus. Okay. You 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 put on your wings yeah. and and your and your <laughs> and your feathers are attached with wax. Uh huh. You get too close to that sun and uh -huh. that wax is going to melt. And that yeah. sound. I mean, I don't know. You haven't told me this story, but I kind of see a Icarus and Daedalus thing coming. Is that true? <laughs> uh, yeah. I, I you know. Uh, Michael, I feel God speaks to me through just about, or teaches me through just about everybody that comes into my life experience. And just you saying, do you think maybe you were somewhat delusional back there? I never got that until right this moment when you said that. I'm like, boy, did he hit the nail on the head. Now looking back, mm -hmm. what I know to death what I know today because this story gets better uh, it, it really does uh, yeah it's 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 uh, yeah so uh, go ahead okay so so you at, at this point you may or may not be delusional we don't have to we don't have to make that judgment um, that's between you and Jesus really right, right. Um, but you were flying high you had a kind of a euphoria which Spells trouble if you see that in another person. If you see another person who's really on fire, you're thinking, this is a flame that's burning very brightly, but it's not going to burn very long. That's true. That's true. I can't argue with that. <laughs> oh, no, it's very true. It's very true. It's very enlightening listening. Well, what happened? Um... Yeah, you're, you're actually kind of waking me up here a little bit today. What happened was, um, I got to teachings that made sense in life, but nobody else was really showing me how to do it. Hmm. And might have been because I wanted them to do it my way, maybe. Oh, sure. Okay. So the next thing happened in my life was I lost my license with uh, trucking, and um, no, you didn't even. Well, that came what? that came in after the massage. <laughs> <laughs> you became a long haul trucker. Well, here's where I was going with the massage thing in the Mennonites. Okay, okay, they wanted me to solve all their problems. They looked at me as like you know this guy speaks so well and seems to be so knowledgeable. At least he's saying so about the herbs and the vitamins and uh, the lifestyle and you know what the triggers are in their back or their neck or mm -hmm. their spine or whatever type thing. And uh, 
uh, I was wearing myself out giving these heavy rugged treatment to the country people um, and I was getting more frustrated because I knew it was a change of the mind this renewing of the mind that we talked mm -hmm. about at the beginning of the cast you know you know being not conformed to this world but having a renewed mind uh, and nobody was getting that they were doing the same old traditions over and over and over again and I got tired of beating my head against a wall and uh, uh, I uh, actually purchased three buffalo somebody had talked me into buffalo you were sober I was sober <laughs> It went with the holistic lifestyle. It was a whole write-up in the, in the local farm paper, and it talked about how bison could graze uh, on... Just, like, I know this gets to long-haul trucking somehow, but, yeah, please well, we, we We buy a truck and a trailer to haul the bison. Okay. And the neighbors say... Well, why would you have to haul them? Where do they, where well, do they go? Well, you purchase them, you take them, and, you know, and... What Something I don't want to say is is you you have to butcher them in time to help pay for the bills. Or you have to drive them to the butcher. Right, yeah. right, right. So my Amish and Mennonite neighbors saw that I had a truck and a trailer, and they asked me to you know do some hauling for them. And then they asked, you know, do you have another type of trailer to do another type of hauling? Okay. So I'm like, well, I can sure get one. If it's going to make money, uh, I will get one. And uh, so the Buffalo Farm started growing. The trucking started growing. So you developed a buffalo farm. I did. I had 152 Where was it? Narvon, Pennsylvania. Wow. If you look on the internet and look up Narvon Valley Bison Farm, it will come up yet today. Wow. And that was back in 2000. You know, and I, I'm sorry to cut in oh, with this. This is a total aside. But there was a white buffalo born in uh, Wisconsin. And I lived in Chicago at the time, and me and a friend went up to see the white buffalo. That was a big deal. Oh, yeah. And there were all kinds of things tied on the fence oh, because yes. of, yeah, yes, it, was, yes, it, yes. it was great. Well, this is interesting that you brought that up. Um, so as the, the, the bison produced and the herd got larger and the trucking got more, it was easier to jump in a truck and turn the key on and drive down the road than it was to give a massage or to... Oh, it was just more a more efficient way to make money. Yeah, and yeah. It, it was more fun too. Yeah, it, it, you like driving. Uh, I did, I did. You know, everything seems to have its seasons. Yeah. Um, but with that, my spirituality branched out into Native American, where because of the buffalo, that was part of it. Yeah. I believe in a past life, I was. A native somewhere probably in the North American continent you know most people are natives I believe that. <laughs> I believe that I believe that and uh, so I studied uh, immensely uh, the Native American spirituality and I'm like this is the spirit the free floating spirit that permeates everything on this planet well, how did you reconcile that with your Christianity? Uh, well, Jesus says, Seek ye first the kingdom of heaven, and then everything will be added unto you. The Native Americans said to a young man, uh, I don't think they said it to the girls, I don't know how the girls really worked because I didn't pay any attention, but I knew the guys was, here's a blanket, there's the mountain, go out until you have a vision 
of what the Great Spirit is telling you is your gift mm. and your challenge. And then come on back and yeah. we will share it with the community. And, you know, this is, you will know who you are and why you're here. It's kind of a, a Native American bar mitzvah. Yes, absolutely. Absolutely. Sort of. Not exactly, obviously. Did you get a blanket in Guana Mountain? Uh, you, did you see that blanket I was carrying? No. <laughs> <laughs> that was a poncho. Was no, it? this is a poncho. Oh. That's a poncho. No, the one I put in the car. The one I put in a car I was given by a Native American tribe in Pennsylvania. Really? They came out and did a sweat lodge on the Buffalo farm there. Uh, my day-to-day -day life was seeking God from age 38 on. I was totally open. I was mm. listening to everybody. I was going with the flow. I knew there was a rhyme and a reason to each day. Um, and uh, so I would try to be open to that and follow which way it was leading me. Nothing I ever did, I don't believe, was a mistake. Uh, it says all things are, uh, all things happen for the good of them that love God and are called by Him. So I believe it is all good on this planet. Just some days we don't like it because even the pain and the suffering leads us to other levels, consciousness, experiences, and is always teaching us and guiding us. And some days we just need the heat turned up so that we move forward. Mm. Okay. When, when this was going on, were you aware of what you were looking for or just that you were looking for something? Michael, it's funny you should say that. <laughs> <laughs> Ever since a boy, a boy, I don't know how young I have sought peace. True as I said here. Ever since, that's why I went peace to the Peace of mind? Yes. That's when I went, peace of mind, peace of spirit, you know, yes. That's why, mm. that's why I gravitated to the Mennonites. That's why I gravitated to the Elmish Mennonites. That's why I gravitated to the farm. That's why I gravitated to... Are you a less peaceful person than most, and, and so this is a more significant oh, I was, thing for you? Oh, I was always restless. Yeah. I mean, this might not be a nice thing to say in a podcast, I'm not sure. My mother said to me one time, she says, if you pass away before I do, she said, I will cry because I miss you. I will miss you, but I won't cry for you because I, I know the struggles you've gone through and I know you felt like you've never fit in. And I did. I never felt like I fit in. I was like, I always felt I was punished. I must have been bad somewhere out there in the heavens, amongst the stars somewhere. And they sent me to this clinic, this rehab, this juvenile system called Planet Earth to become healed, to become happy, whole, and complete, as Louise Hay would say in her book. Uh, and so you had so, a, it was pretty rough when you were young. Well, I, I'm very sensitive. Yeah. I'm very sensitive, and that might be the Virgo part. I don't know, but uh, yeah, uh, maybe I work more out of the, the female side of the brain, but I'm very, very, very sensitive. And uh, you combine that with a disrupted childhood. And, and I'm sensitive multiple, to all the stuff that Multiple marriages on. and divorces yeah, of yeah, the parents. Yeah, yeah. those things aren't fun. And so you, you needed some peace. I needed a lot of peace. <laughs> and so you were looking for it. I, I, and, yeah, yeah. So, yeah, so you had a buffalo farm and you were looking for peace. 
I yeah I I, I almost had it there almost yeah uh, I mean it was beautiful uh, the farm was completely fenced in it wasn't farmed anymore it didn't erode there was no more chemical fertilizer put on it um, we harvested uh, hay off of the farm in the spring we would fence off half the, the farm was all fenced in different paddocks that had gates that connected to everything in the spring we would close so many gates when those fields were high with grass we would go in and cut it mow it bale it put it in the barn and after a couple of rains we'd open every gate on the farm and the buffalo had a complete 152 acres pond marsh woodland uh plains and you know it, that's good for beautiful. the buffalo but it must have also been great for you well i would take tours we would take tours out uh and i remember one pacific or different tours on late summer afternoons late in the summer season uh, when the shadows were getting long and any weeds or tall grass that might be up that the bison didn't care to eat would have these halos of light around them because mm -hmm. the setting of the sun mm -hmm. okay and I would stop we had a team of horses uh, Jack and Ernie Clydesdales and I would stop them and I would just tell everybody I'd put my finger up to like everybody to be quiet and I say now listen and it was dead silence outside of some meadow birds singing hmm. and the Sun was laying in across there it was about as pristine of a moment that anybody could ever have and <clears throat> I wanted I wanted people to see the beauty of this to me it was the beauty of God it was the beauty yeah. of the Great Spirit and everything like that and I like sharing that but that all comes with a price. You got to pay taxes. You got to buy insurance. Well, see, the thing is, though, you got to pay taxes and buy insurance whether you're not on right. in a pristine environment with buffalo, right? Or if you're in a in a studio in a, you know in a slum, right? So that doesn't change. Well, we didn't have enough bison. I don't like to say this, but we didn't have enough bison being slaughtered each year to pay the expenses of the farm. Uh huh. And that's why some of the trucking was and the rest of my family that was with me at that time um, they all had day jobs and then weekends we had to entertain tourists uh, oh, okay. to sure. try yeah. to sell bison meat products products, products. Yeah, 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 yeah yeah things yeah. like that so one day I looked at the family and I said to them do you want to get bigger or do you want to get out and they said, you go in that truck and go for a drive for the week. When you come home in the weekend, we'll give you our answer. I came home and they said, let's quit. Wow. And uh, I went upstairs. How old were you? I was um, 48. Okay. So a long, long yeah. time had passed. Yeah. Um, that must have been hard news. I went upstairs and I cried my heart out. I cried my heart out. And, uh, yeah, and I actually uh, hit another broken spot, uh, and I didn't know how to heal that one, so I started going to nightclubs and started doing party drugs. Oh, so you wanted to find happiness. I wanted to find happiness. <laughs> and, well, the pill that I would take would make me happy for four to six hours you know for a while when it started was really cool you know type thing um well wait a minute i mean was this a total like 
where you dressed up like Saturday Night Live and, and you had thrown caution to the wind and nothing mattered anymore and you were just going to drug and party your way to the end of the line? Or were you actually like, uh, okay, I'm going to deal with this, and but I need to have some entertainment too? Like, were you like a nihilist or were you trying to get something out of it? I just wanted peace. Still wanted peace. I just wanted peace. I wanted to stop hating myself. I wanted to, you know, I was in this world and, and you know, taking my own life didn't seem to be an option. Uh, just, just something was telling me that that is not an option type thing. So just get lost for a while. Mm. Just get lost for a while. But for every up, there is a down. And I hated the downs. Mm. I hate a hangover and I hate uh, the depression that goes along with... Uh, tweaking your mind up with some kind of uh, medication and then come crashing back down yeah. uh, because you can't take it on a consecutive basis. So that went on for for quite a while. Well, that actually went on every weekend for 10 years. Wow. Yeah, and the bison farm got sold. Yeah. And if anybody listening knows the story in the Bible of the prodigal son where he took all his money when I sold the farm, I sold the farm for a lot of money. Uh-huh. Uh, and uh, I took all my money and I went to Florida and I got in the club scene between Florida and New York City. Wow. Met a business That sounds partner. like the worst thing <laughs> of anything you could do with money from selling a farm. Yeah. There is not a worse thing you could do with your money. And an investor smelled that I had the money and talked me into three businesses. One I had a gut feeling was good. The other two had a gut feeling was not good. And I did not listen. I was a people pleaser. I wanted to please. And so I went through the three businesses and lost everything. Wow. Lost everything. Ended up cutting grass. Ended up cutting grass. At, at what age? Uh, well, that was... Uh, like, I was 52, I believe. Yeah. 52 yeah. and cutting grass. Yeah. Yeah. And then I started doing... Well, I mean, yeah. they, you know... Any one of us can end up there, so it's, it's <laughs> well, obviously nothing to be made fun of. You know, uh, you know what? Uh, education always costs. If you want to take a class, you're going to have to pay the tuition. If you want to go to college, you're going to have to pay the tuition. Even you have children and they got to go to school, you got to pay school taxes. Education always seems to come with a price tag. Yeah. Unless you can take a short course and learn it fast. I was a tough nut to crack. Well, there's a combination of factors. Uh, one is education is expensive but the other thing is some people learn faster than others <laughs> <laughs> well I wish I did <laughs> it's taken me a lifetime but uh, well uh, yeah well we're, we're not the, I mean we're not what is important Michael right now is here and now okay but we're not even we're not here and now no yet. no no no, no, no. <laughs> we're no, no, no. we're at 52 and you're cutting grass yeah yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. so we're getting where were you living there. when you uh, Fort Lauderdale Florida yeah, uh -huh. and yeah. I would imagine there was other people in your situation there. Well, I mean, when I had money, everybody was my friend that wanted to party, you yeah. know. Yeah. And then, uh, yeah, Fort Lauderdale has a nickname, Fort Liquordale, and which means it's just party central down sure. there for sin and debauchery. Oh yeah, I mean it's that, that, yeah, it's common knowledge. <sighs> so I need to go down there and and uh, eat enough of junk. You know, worldly junk until I became sick of it. And I had to come to the end of myself once again. And, uh, 
the mowing lawns turned into a landscape business where I was started to do installations. I would just start to picture what would look good on this property. And people were liking my installations and that went into a 10 year business. Mm -hmm. Okay. So, um, then the economy changed in 2008. Uh, yes, 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 yes. And the economy changed and people just were not interested in installations anymore. Right. And I couldn't make money just cutting grass, uh, not enough to live and still do some partying. Mm. So I was miserable to the bone and I started to pray. I said, God, you can see me like a, um, an x-ray machine. You know what inside of me is dysfunctional, causing me to react and act in the way that I do on a daily basis. And I said, I've tried to fix myself through massage, Reiki, herbs, uh, affirmations. Astrology. Astrology. I tried everything. Um, and, uh, but I really prayed earnestly. I said, you've got to heal me. And I noticed a change. And I liked it. And I said, we're not home free yet, God. There is still dysfunction. I said, please, please, please keep healing me. I allow you to come into my life and take, yeah. And uh, one day I, uh, they were telling me in Florida, my landscape clients were saying, oh, you're so good. You help everybody at the end of the day with health needs. You should be a nurse. And I'm like, a nurse? No, no, no. I'm a farmer, a landscaper. Yeah. I'm too dumb. Well, you had been a massage therapist. I, uh, that's not entirely out of the field. But I never. I always sold myself short. I would tell everybody else, "Don't sell yourself short. Don't settle. Don't settle." And I, I never practiced what I preached. So. I told them, "No, I'm not going to go to nursing school at all. I'm too dumb. All I know how to do is work with ground." A year later. I met a doctor from Erie, Pennsylvania. Remember, now I'm living in Florida. This man in Erie, Pennsylvania knows nobody in Florida, and nobody in Florida knows Dr. Schrantz in Erie, Pennsylvania. I meet Dr. Schrantz of Pennsylvania at a Christmas table, and he looks across the table at me and just about knocked me off the chair by a statement. He said, did you ever think of becoming a nurse? And I'm like, what? He said, did you ever think of becoming a nurse? And I'm like, keep talking I'm listening he gave me a game plan and I said uh, but I'm gonna be 60 when I graduate his wife was beside him in a wheelchair she could barely talk but she she had Parkinson's disease mm. we just did her celebration of life yesterday but anyways she looks at me and she says you're gonna be 60 anyways why not have something under your belt and I'm like I was 58 I'm like so I'm going to go to college for nursing, medical school. I'm like, I just started putting one foot in front of the other. I didn't know where I was going to get the money. Doc gave me a plan that I could live with him and keep house for him and drive him to a couple different hospitals on my days off. Uh, and he would compensate me some money with that. So then this was the guy who asked you that question. Yes. So when he asked you that question, he was prepared to... How yeah. to make this oh, happen. Oh, absolutely. He was, he's, he was a wonderful man. He was, he was uh, man. like a mentor, yes. uh, something like a guru, right? 
I mean, not a, oh, yeah. not a spiritual guru, but he a, was but another a, role model. A guide. Yeah. And yeah, a, yeah. yeah. And so I wasn't sure about what he asked me to go be a nurse. So once again, I went to a seer or an astrologer mm -hmm. that had guided me good in the past, mm -hmm. but I hadn't seen it in a had while. had a fairly good yeah, track record. I, I did. I mean, if, if it yeah. doesn't produce bottom line results, I want right. nothing to do with it. Um, so I go back to him and I'm like, nursing school? He says, I have one question for you. What are you willing to sacrifice to become a nurse? I knew the instant he finished it, he probably was halfway through it, I knew the answer. I said, everything. He said, then do it. I sold everything that I could, and uh, I went up to Dr. Schrantz, and he took me to Mercyhurst University in Erie, Pennsylvania, and uh, they looked at all my records, did an interview, went over uh, financial options, and the next thing I knew, I was setting at age 58 amongst a bunch of kids in college. Mm -hmm. And probably a month or two later, I looked at one of the girls across the, the next desk and I said, so this is college? What was I so afraid of? You know, yeah. I graduated uh, 11 months later with a B plus and I was a licensed practical nurse. 11 months? Yeah, that's all you need for practical nursing in Pennsylvania. Okay. Okay. I didn't want to do the RN thing because that was going to be four years. Yeah. And uh, yeah, I, I was time was running out. Sure. Okay. Um, so my first job, I get through a discussion on an elevator with someone, and uh, they wanted some help to take care of their father who had Alzheimer's and dementia. Now, mind you, the dean of the college said, Levi, I've watched you in clinicals, and you are very good in mental health. Mm. Well, to me, mental health and spiritual health kind of are the same. Yeah, there's kind a of, yeah, there's a correlation there. Sure. So for a year, I took care of an elderly man. He was 97, and his wife, and I lived with them 24/7. And wow. we went through all kinds of stuff throughout the night because of dementia and mm. Alzheimer's. They, mm -hmm. you know, sundowning. You know, they 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 sleep in the daytime and awake at night and everything like that. And they said to me one time, this is important to me. They said to me one time, how do you do this? How do you take care of my father when he's not my father anymore and he's acting crazy and all the stuff that you have to do and the messes you have to clean up and everything like that? And I would just look at them and kind of choke up a little bit because something was happening to me as a nurse. I told them, I want to thank you for giving me an avenue of expression mm, Yeah, that I was giving... Was and this a new thing? Like this was something you hadn't... Oh, everything before that, Michael, was me. It's all about me. So this was really a, a really a great vocation for you. Yes. So so and yes. this guy, it, you know, it's kind of crazy that this guy was like, "Have you ever considered being a nurse?" Like, oh, I was I was dumbfounded. I mean, but but also by the results because yeah. you mentioned the bottom line thing, yeah. and it sounds like wow, this was a providential moment. It was definitely, definitely. Yeah. Everybody says that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So, so you were living with this, and, and was it the kids who were asking you, or who was asking? They you? had they had uh, several daughters, and they would say to me, uh, you know, how do how do you do this, you know, and I, you know, I I would have to say it right now to you. I didn't know how I was doing it, but I knew every time I was helping them and being kind and patient, hmm. and putting myself in their shoes. 
mm-hmm. you know, and not yelling. And if there was a mess or bathroom or whatever, or dad was up all night ranting and raving and everything like that, there was no yelling from my part. There was no screaming from my part. There was nothing but pure compassion for someone who had, you know, lost, you know, all his mental and uh, and uh, physical most of the time faculties. Yeah. You know, and so I would be channeling this love, this unconditional love, this patience, you know, and I liked that. Hmm. That was the best drug ever. Love, sharing love and compassion with another human being in need. Well, you know, another thing is that you found, uh, and this doesn't happen to everybody. I don't. In fact, I don't know how rare it is, but you found really the job that that was your. It just fit you. Yeah, yeah. And you know, it's it's nice to hear because it's terrible when when you don't. And in fact, you know, one of the things, and we can get into this a little bit, but with the whole Varnashram Dharma thing, it's it's just so important that people know where they fit in. Uh, America's a grab bag. It's it's a you know it's a bag. You shake it up and you see where the pieces land. Yeah. And um, sometimes things work out well. Most of the times they don't. Um, you remember I quoted that verse from the Bible that says Jesus said, "Seek ye first." Key word: seek, mm-hmm. seek. Yeah, yeah. I have been a seeker from the day I went to that Mennonite farm. Hmm. One up. No matter if I was seeking in a nightclub or seeking in a massage school, or seeking in a uh, nursing school. I was constantly seeking, actually the joy of the Lord is what I was seeking. Well, in, in essence. now you know that, right? Yes, I do know that now. But you didn't know it then. No, I just wanted to be happy, and I wanted to be peaceful, and I wanted this turmoil that goes on between our ears, my ears, yeah. our ears. I wanted it to, to subside, and you know, I felt that, you know, I needed to stop putting out the bad karma and start doing some good karma. But God helped me with that. Krishna helped me with that. God helped me with that by Dr. Schrantz saying to me, you know, would you like to be a nurse? Yeah. You know. And I actually changed my name at that time. My name used to be uh, Robert Warren Campbell. And I met a girl in, in uh, nursing school and she said she was changing her name. Don't call me by my name on my tab. She said, uh, I said, you can change your name. She said, yes. I said, well, there's a name that sticks in my head that will not leave. And she said, what is it? And I said, it's Levi. She said, I like that name. She said, tell everybody today. It was the first day of college. She said, tell everybody today that your name's Levi. Mm-hmm. I said, it's not true. She says, tell them it's your nickname. And uh, like, okay. I, so I, I told everybody. And halfway through the year, I told people that that wasn't my name. And they're like, but we like that. And so I looked it up in the meaning of names. And if you look it up today in the internet, it will, uh, Levi means unity, bringing together. Or oneness. Well, it means, yeah. I mean, there's those things, but uh, I think we're talking about the brother of Aaron. Yes. Uh, and and that's not that's not a symbol. That's a person. Aaron had a brother named Levi. Right. You're named after that guy. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> was he a good guy? <laughs> yeah, he was a good guy. Okay. But I mean, just go back in it. I there should was, know this. I, 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 you know, go back to the Old Testament. There was a bunch of priests in, in, in the order of Levi, or uh, well, it's yeah, the family lineage or whatever. It's the priestly lineage. Oh, there you go. Yeah. Well, see, I didn't know any of that. I just knew in my head was this name Levi, and so the end, right, sure. the end of the year, I you know checked everything out, and uh, there was a lot of coincidences that led me to say the path is open. Change your name. 
It's now Levi Robert. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm not sure why I told you that part. <laughs> This has been quite a life, let me tell you. This has been quite a life. So, what? Another reason I decided on changing my name to Levi, all my life I said, no matter what culture, no matter what race, no matter what religion, everybody has ups and downs, sorrow and joy. None of us know the day we're leaving this planet, and none of us actually know where we came from before we got to this planet. I said that. Although you have suspicions about your previous life, I do. (laughs) Go on. (laughs) I don't want to spook everybody. So I've, you know, I, I, I felt we are all brothers and sisters. I felt we all came from one source, and now I know we're all part of one source. Well, you know, I, I. we haven't even talked about Hare Krishnas yet. We're so close. <laughs> We're so close. Oh, yeah. I mean, if you want to wrap this up, I can... No, 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 no. Uh, but this is the definitely the longest time I've ever gone I'm before sure. we get to the... But there is a lot here, obviously. I mean, we could go back and further dissect any chapter on this, on this path. Because there's, you know, um, from buffalo to uh, dairy farming to... Uh, what what is the nightlife like in Fort Lauderdale? It's but anyway, crazy. it's crazy. It's crazy. <laughs> but you you want to destroy yourself? That's the way to do it. Well, sure. Yeah, if you want to, you see how not to spend money after selling floor. <laughs> yeah. Um. So you became a nurse, and are you still a nurse? Yes, I'm still a licensed practical nurse. Do you practice? Yes, I'm. I'm back from. I, I, I did home duty nurse uh, for the elderly couple, then I went to a juvenile detention system, okay. and I worked there for two and a half years, and then I went to Hawaii and worked there for two years in uh, uh, Alzheimer Dementia Unit, and now I'm back in Stafford, Virginia, taking care of a young boy that has health challenges. And it, uh, do you find this f- fulfilling? Yes, but... But what? Well, next Saturday I move into the men's ashram here at the, what? the DC Temple. Yes, and I'm devoting my life twenty-four-seven uh, to God, to Krishna. Well, you can do that and be a nurse. Um, remember that Virgo perfectionist thing? Yeah. Okay. Uh, here's another thing, Michael. I've always felt in this lifetime I've never been married and I've never had children. Yeah, same here. Or no, that's not true. I've been married. Okay. So what I'm saying is, I'm not going to be handing any of my karma off to the next generation to handle. The buck stops here with Levi. I need to take care of as much business as I want. Oh, I see. If I do not want to come back to another birth and death. Well, which... Yeah, which, I mean, yes, but to 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 serve up your your spiritual aspirations as an escape plan is, uh, I don't think, uh, I mean, it's a piece of the puzzle, but there's more, there's more going on. Well, if you're doing something wrong, uh, you can have the consciousness of, I don't, I don't, I don't, I don't care. No, wait a minute. Actually. Okay. Wait, 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 wait. You're moving into this ashram. I mean, you're moving in onto these temple grounds. When? Next Saturday. (laughs) I'm glad I caught you. Uh, I mean, I'm glad we got to do this interview before. This is going to be very interesting to listen back to after you've been here a while, you know? 
Um, so you asked me if I was happy in nursing. Yeah. Okay, and why couldn't I be a Krishna devotee uh, and still be a nurse? And there are many of them. I'm sure there is. Uh, I really have a challenge with quieting my mind. Like really, it really gets charged up. Somebody said one time, Levi, you have a lot of chi. You have a lot of energy. Yeah. Okay. And I've been rolling like a snowball downhill all my life. And um, when I have those times for devotion and reading and chanting and connecting, uh, it, it, it's just amazing. And uh, as I have a wonderful job right now that I could have the rest of my life. The boy's special needs. He'll probably always be that. I have a beautiful apartment out on a farm. Really? Where I look out of the back of my apartment, I don't not see one house. I see great sunsets. I see turkey. I see deer. I see rabbits. I see the most beautiful sunsets. The sky is not light pollution. There's not dust of dawn lights. But there is, as we sang a song when I was a kid, Oh, love that will not let me go. There is something gnawing at me that wants not a part of me, wants all of me. And you can hear my voice shaking. It, it makes me very emotional. It's a very sensitive part of my life. It's a very a part of my life that I really, really love. Okay, and let's let's not avoid it. Let's let's go right into I'm it. I'm not going to avoid it. Not one well, bit. <laughs> and, and so, what is it that's that's making you emotional? Uh, that I love God, I trust God, and I have let too much of the world and the mind stand between me and my creator although my creator has always been there krishna has always been there god has always been there but the mind will tell you he hasn't been it will tell you about all kinds of dualities okay uh yeah levi's oneness levi's bringing together unifying you know getting rid of all the the worldly distractions i you know what i like about chanting if you're doing chanting right, you cannot be chanting and having conversations. If you're doing chanting right, you cannot be chanting and having conversations with your mind or the false ego. And they are always jockeying for your attention. They're always throwing And, and maybe in, in your case, uh, the, their volume is a little higher. Absolutely. Everybody's different. That's why... Back in Christianity, the first time I was taught that you can't judge. You shouldn't judge. You can judge if you want to waste your energy that way, but you shouldn't judge. What I like about Krishna consciousness is, again, they feel everyone is on their way back to the Godhead. Just depends what route they want to take. If they want to take a route, long route, if they want to take a rough route, okay. If they want to take a fast route, if they want to take an easier route, here's the way to do that. Here's the way to do that. How did you meet the Hare Krishnas? Uh, I had a girlfriend over in Hawaii. She was moving out and she left a pamphlet called The Perf Perfection of Yoga. You, you mentioned that before. Okay. I picked this little book up thinking, oh, I want to do yoga, thinking it's yoga poses. I start reading and I'm like, oh, this ain't nothing about yoga poses. In fact, the teaching in here about Krishna, which they're saying that I looked up... Had you heard of Krishna before? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. It was something I... 
They thought they were all fools. I thought they were the craziest, weirdest people. Oh, so you had just seen them and written them off. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Yep, I judged them and they were executed now. Okay. <laughs> Condemned. No, but but had when you read this pamphlet, do you, were you associating this with them or did you know that they were connected? I just kept reading the pamphlet and saying, this is exactly what Jesus is teaching. This this is the what if you take Christ's teachings and you get in the perfection of yoga, the two are interchangeable. I'm like, this is amazing. This is, what is this? And this fired me up again. Maybe I'm delusional again, but I don't think so. Uh, well, this, yeah, no, this, just because you're fired up doesn't mean you're delusional. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, I'm like, I love this. And then somebody at work said, hey, have you eaten at the Hare Krishna uh, vegetarian smorgasbord down in Honolulu? I'm like, what? And I'm like, no. And it's, oh, it's good food and it's all vegan. I'm like, so I have the perfection of yoga in my hand, and in my ear is down in Honolulu is the Hare Krishna temple. I go down, I take a meal, I meet the temple president, not knowing that. Um, and uh, when I was done, I came back out, and he's like, so how'd you like it? I said, good. And I looked at him, and I said, so where do I go from here? He's like, well, here's a Bhagavad Gita, and... Uh, Come back uh, Sunday night at 6 o'clock, 5.30, 6 o'clock, and uh, see what you think. And I went back. I did not, sad to say, get a very warm welcome. I wasn't unwelcomed. I just, everybody was doing their thing, and nobody, like, took me under their wing. So I went back a few more times, and I was, like, I was looking for flow. I was looking for, you know, I was looking for open door. I was looking for confirmation. And I wasn't quite getting it, but I could not let it go. I was reading the Bhagavad Gita, and it was making sense, but yet I, 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 the fellowship just wasn't there for mm -hmm. me. Mm -hmm. There was a reason it wasn't there for me, because I wasn't to stay there. I wasn't supposed to be comfortable there. It was time for me to move on out of Hawaii, where I was hiding again, you know, trying to find peace, but I didn't find peace. Working as a nurse? Working as a nurse in a juva, in a, in a Alzheimer dementia unit. Okay. And, uh, and, and it's crazy. And it's crazy. People, people Well, it's actually clinically crazy. Yeah. <laughs> I mean. well, well, I wasn't saying much about the people, but the schedule and short-staffed and the way it was run, the, corp the company, uh, everything like that. It, oh, it just, I see. People were like, how do you do it? How do you, you must be a saint. I'm like, well, trust me, I'm not a saint. <laughs> Uh, they're like, but you're so patient. And I'm like, well, I want to get my work done. So you think I'm going to fight with these people? I said, you know, we'll do whatever we got to do to get the job done and I get my work done, yeah. you know. But again, there was that channeling of, you know, uh, compassion. Yeah. Compassion for them. I used to say to the, the other staff that would, you know, not spend time with them. I'm like, they're not a chair. They're not a desk. They're not a mm. table. Please refer to them as someone with a sound mind. Yeah. Please. And maybe not in the third person either. Right. Yeah. So I was done with Hawaii and the crazy lifestyle that goes on to make money and pay all your bills in Hawaii because everything is shipped in by a boat and so on. There's a lot of people on those islands and so it's very expensive to live there. Mm. So I wanted out. And it's beautiful. It is beautiful. It is beautiful. So anyway, okay, so, so it was time back. to go. And you had had, uh, what, a lukewarm experience at the Hare Krishna? I had a lukewarm experience there. You were attracted to the... 
something that still held me, the teachings, the teachings. And I said to myself, you're not going to the temple for entertainment. You are going there to cultivate a relationship with God. It's not about the show. It's about, it's about the food, the spiritual food, okay, that, that helps you grow and right. become. More than entertainment. Yeah, yeah, and, and, and become self-realized and realize a lot of things. So as soon as I got back here, as soon as I got to the United States, got the job down in Stafford, Virginia, I get on the computer, closest Hare Krishna temple, mm -hmm. uh, Bhakti Lounge. Uh, oh, the Bhakti Lounge. Yeah, Ishkan Temple in uh, D.C., uh -huh. Potomac, Maryland. Uh, I came the first Sunday, and I haven't missed a Sunday since. Now, what happened when you came that first Sunday? The Bhakti Lounge, I met Champak. Well, it's sort of... People don't necessarily have any idea what the Bhakti Lounge is. So sort of walk us through what, what exactly happened. You showed up, you somebody led you into the little building there? I kind of wandered around and and, uh, and somebody asked why I was here and I told them and they said, you know, you want to go up there to the Bhakti Lounge? I said, where, that little shed up there? And they're like, yeah. And I said, okay, I'll go up there. And I met uh, Giri uh -huh. and I met Champak. Both of whom I've interviewed. Oh, wonderful. <laughs> okay. Amazing people, just amazing people, and uh, warm and friendly yeah. and uh, uh, informative, you know, encouraging. Uh, yeah. And then I got down into Temple, and uh, after the Bhakti, Bhakti Lounge is a place where you come in and discuss your spiritual life, and you get uh, an introduction to Krishna consciousness, mm. you know, and some chanting you know uh is done there also um but it's a lot of other faiths coming together other seekers yeah other sure. seekers i've been a seeker all my life if, if you go back over the podcast you'll see that i've been a seeker all my life trying to find this peace uh, that passes all human comprehension i believe i found it really? <laughs> i'm going to cultivate it and keep it alive uh, but anyways i haven't missed the sunday since uh it, it's been grand uh, the chanting has opened up pathways inside of me. It has calmed my mind. Uh, you know, in the in the scriptures and in the uh, in this tradition, you know, one, they say that one of the most potent, powerful things is the association of a holy person. And, uh, you know, I can't vouch for anybody. I, you know, I don't know what the rankings are around here, the spiritual rankings. Uh, you know, how do we stack up against the Lutherans <laughs> oh. <laughs> or whatever? But I suspect you hang out in the Bhakti Lounge, you, you just may happen to uh, associate with an extraordinary person, even if you don't know it. And that will affect you. You know, it has affected me. And I have met them, that type of person you're talking about. Yeah. That's interesting that you say it that way. Yeah, yeah. I, I I usually land here at nine o'clock in the morning, and I usually don't leave before six o'clock at night. Really? And I travel two and a half hours round trip. Wow. Do you do you travel alone? Do you bring I somebody alone? Okay. Me and Krishna. Yeah. 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 Do you listen? What do you listen to on the way to and from? Uh, I stopped listening. I haven't had a TV in ten years. I stopped listening to contemporary music. Uh, just uh, usually I chant back and forth, yeah. but just recently some people gave me some CDs of Prabhupada's uh, yeah. lectures. You know, there's podcasts too. 
I just, I just, I just got on SoundCloud yesterday. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So. Uh, and lectures. And yes. Yeah, I, yes. we got lectures. I, I, I'm still, I'm still very hungry. I'm still a seeker. Uh, I don't think you can ever be too happy. And. Uh, but it, you know, it, it almost is. It's your story is kind of it's interesting because <clears throat> it's convoluted. It's complex. It's uh, full of difficulty, and um, it's like it, you get to the end of the story and you're like, and then I came to the Bhakti Lounge. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. And then, and then they lived happily ever after. You know, it's like... <laughs> um, now, I, but I would assume this is very different than anything you've experienced before, spiritually, and... You know what it's close to? What? The Amish Mennonites. Wow. Really? The women on one side of the temple, the men on the other side of the temple. Yeah. Uh, the devotion. Um, how Krishna uh, can move freely through uh, our, our kirtans. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. I, I, well then, I, but why do you connect here and why don't you just go back to the Amish and the Mennonites? Uh, because they are getting more liberal they want more of what the world has to offer oh okay they don't realize it but it's it's eroding it's eroding yeah i mean it's eroding but i mean comparatively i mean look around you know like what is this then what what is everyone who's not a mennonite or a or a or a amish or not a Hare krishna you know what i mean like what about all the people out here who are offering the things that you feel obligated to reject. When you say, you mean in the world in general? Yeah. In... Because the world in general, you know, we, we talk about the world in general as something to be overcome and avoided. But you know, the, the world in general is people. Yeah. That's all people. Yeah. And um, we can't be dismissive of people because no. that hurts us. Right. Exactly. You know? Exactly. I don't know where I was going with that exactly. Well, let me tell you something. From what I read in the Bhagavad Gita and uh, other literature that I've gotten from uh, uh, Prabhupada's writings mm -hmm. uh, has given me a lot of peace and it, is, it, it has explained what is going on on this earth plane. Mm -hmm. Okay? And it is straight and forward to the point. Um, what have you read? Uh, well, of course, the Bhagavad Gita, um, uh, Perfection of Yoga, um, The Journey Home by Radha Swami. Mm. Uh, I'm working on The Journey Within. Uh, I have about uh, the teachings of Lord Chaitanya. Mm -hmm. uh, uh, yeah, and that's 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 keeping me busy. But it's so straight and direct to the point. Here's something that might sound arrogant. I don't want it to sound arrogant. They talk about in the Bhagavad Gita of one who is intelligent uh -huh. when they get what Krishna is trying to share with Arjuna. Okay? And if, yeah. And, and you get the reason we're here on this planet and uh, the teachings that can guide us in service to, to Krishna, Christ consciousness. Um, they refer to that person as intelligent. I never thought of myself being an intelligent. And, and here's the intelligence. 
what they are guiding me and teaching me to apply it to life, like life's handbook, just like a handbook you get with a car mm. or a KitchenAid product. Uh, if you follow these steps, you will get these results. And the end results is peace of mind, happiness. Apostle Paul says you're in the world, but you don't need to be of the world. A channeled right. spirit said, his name is White Eagle. He said, what Apostle Paul is trying to tell us is that we are in this world going through all, seeing all the heartaches. might be with North Korea, South Korea. It could be with people with addictions and, and marital problems and, you know, child abuse and pornography or whatever the, 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 har the horrors of this world is. Um, that we don't need to be uh, sucked into it or go around every day. Oh my, oh me, oh, this is such a terrible world. This is such an awful life. Oh my goodness, life's a mess and then you die. Well, oh, that's that would be a terrible attitude. Well, there's a lot of people out there like that. Well, yes, there are a lot of people out there like that. But there's a lot of people out there like that because they haven't found a way out. You know what I mean? Oh, exactly. They they have not had enough yet of it. I, yeah, I, I don't know. I don't know if, you know, because it's sort of, you're putting the blame on them a little bit. I mean, it's sort of like they're unhappy. And, but the, the, the fact of the matter is, of course they're unhappy. Look at the world they live in. You know? Right. Well, how am I putting the blame on them? I, I, uh, how do you want to say this? As a nurse, you're always watching and assessing. You're always watching and assessing. So you're able to tell the doctor what's going on. Okay. You, yeah. you are a patient's advocate. Right. Okay. So nursing was a great field for me because I'm always way testing and analyzing everything. Hmm. And as I see all the, the sorrow and the heartache and the suffering in the world, and when you read books like the Bhagavad Gita or the Sriman Bhagavatam, uh, it explains why this suffering is, you know. And... Uh, There's nothing I can do for those people. All as I can do. Somebody said one time, people won't always do as you say, but people will do as you do. Yeah. So I'm trying to clean my act up, and yeah. I'm trying to follow the handbook of life uh, and follow the steps, and I'm getting great results. I sleep wonderfully. I am overcome by such joy at time, the tears just run down my face. Have you read the story of Prahlad Maharaj? No. Okay. Not yet. We can talk about that when you do. <laughs> okay. Here. So, yeah, you, you're a very emotional, sensitive person. Very sensitive. You know, and that comes with the discriminating. You know what's real and you know what's not real. I know bad energy and I know good energy. You yeah. You know. Um, and moving into the temple is I, I, I desire... Oh, this is, the teachings of Jesus said, if you want to follow me, sell everything you have. Mm. Say goodbye to your mother and your father. Yeah. Say goodbye to your own life too, and come and follow me. Okay? If 
I apply that in Krishna consciousness. Well, do they cross apply? They absolutely do. Okay. That's why I'm here. Okay. Just <laughs> I, I think I think Jesus or Christ or or God, whatever, that entity or dispensation brought me this far and handed me over to Krishna consciousness and says, take me you, the rest of the way. So in the way that um, nursing seemed to be a very suitable profession for you, you found a very suitable uh, spiritual path. Oh my goodness, yes. Well, what are you going to do when you get here? Uh, I will perform service, of course. But what does that mean? But, uh, well, every morning I'll be down in temple at 4.30 on the button. On the... Doing what? Uh, at that point, just uh, participating in the early morning uh -huh. service. But are you? Uh, is there a, a particular focus you'll have when you're here? Will you be focusing on like groundskeeping or deity worship or in the kitchen or what? Uh, so far, it's maintenance, general maintenance. Okay. Okay. I want to go towards deity worship. Uh -huh. Okay. Um, I've done so many things. Uh, well, I would imagine you have. And I great experience, like, yeah. I mean, being a dairy farmer, a buffalo farmer, landscaper, and a landscaper, yeah, yeah, absolutely. And and working with people, I, I enjoy and that. Yeah, 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 and the nursing. That's a very interesting combination. I look forward to more time so, you, chanting. And you feel pretty comfortable. I mean, you know, it's a big deal. You're you're going to move into it onto the grounds of a temple, and it's a big deal in terms of fitting in. You know. Finding friends. I fit in with the Amish and the Mennonites, didn't I? Well, did you? I did. Yeah. I mean, yeah. I'm, I'm, not, I'm not saying that. Yeah, yeah, oh, no, no, no. boy, I anticipate trouble here. No, I think, oh. I think, I think it'll be good. I think it'll be good. I'm sort of interested how you'll it'll be incorporate. A new, it'll you know? be a new set of challenges. Yeah. Yeah, I think that's a good way to look at it. When you're on this, I don't earth, think it's going to be easy. Uh, you know. No. I don't. No. In fact, I've talked to many people because you know I've I've brought up the notion of of uh, living on, in, in the right. temple, sort of in a haphazard way, not not right. not with a plan. But many people have said, "Oh, it's hard. Yeah, it's yeah. not easy. Yeah, and, and and that's universal. I mean, I didn't get that for one person. I got that from every person. <laughs> uh, Gary Gary challenged uh, challenged me on it. Uh, uh, Ananda she challenged me on it. You know, Champak went over everything like that. Mm. But uh, with all the information to be aware of the challenges, uh, they said, go for it. Well, you know, this, this is great because um, as far as the podcast, yes. because we're going to have a before and after, you know, <laughs> we can do another interview after you've been here a while okay. and we can talk about the next chapter of your story. It won't be so long. <laughs> well, you never know. There's there could be a lot of stuff going on around yeah, here. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and good things, you know. Um, this is something I like to ask people. That you know, there's there's a lot of things to do on the temple grounds uh, and different things that qualify as uh, bhakti yoga. Uh, what is it that the sort of hooks you in that that you feel like uh, most attached to? You get the most. Uh, pleasure from temple worship in the, in the temple in the temple room absolutely in, really yeah is, e even when you're in there alone and, and and chanting going over you doing your japa it's just it's, it's the it's, atmosphere it's, it's amazing it's amazing huh. you remember when the the counselor said to me what are you willing to sacrifice to and become a everything yeah 
And uh, once again, yeah. it's what are you willing to sacrifice, Levi, to be a devotee, a Krishna, and live in the temple? You know, people challenged me about shaving my head and starting the sika in the back and everything like that. And I said, you know what? It is so hard on my pride. But I said, I, 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 I want to show Krishna and the world that my relationship with God, my creator, Krishna, uh, means more than anything to me in life. I will treat human beings as I treat myself, you know, with love and respect. Uh, but above all, I am so grateful. You've seen the path that I've been through, you know. Mm -hmm. Poor, or pieces of it. Rich, yeah, you know, yeah. this way, that way, clubs, uh, drugs and things like that. Um, immorality, uh, uh, yeah. And, uh, yeah, this is... This is the icing on the cake, and you know how a cake is built. It's from the bottom up, and I have got, I'm 65 years, this body is 65 years old. I have 65 years experience. Uh -huh. That's a big thing with me. I do not know how old I am, yeah. this this source within inside of me that's eternal, uh, but uh, uh, this is this is just so wow to me that that I could be just a mess somewhere in a gutter if I'd even be alive. And, and I think we've all seen those messes in the gutter. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, yeah, 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 yeah. You know me. I'm, I watch everything. I see there's, everything. A, there's a great bluegrass song. Uh, um, <laughs> I used to be into that. Yeah, and one of the songs was, uh, I think it was Blue, um, I forget the name of the band. They're a big, famous bluegrass band. But, but that could be you. What's the name of the song? Oh, that could be you, yeah. And yeah, they yeah. talk about how, you know, you, you walk by, you see that person in the gutter, uh, don't be unkind, because not only can that be you, that probably will be you at some point. Yeah. You know? Yeah. I thought, there is, yeah, I mean, and that's a, that's a Christian, I'd say Pennsylvania, general area sort of uh, mentality and wisdom. Uh, so certainly they're not without... Uh, Oh, no. Insight and 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 wisdom, um, but yeah, I, I uh, yeah, I'm excited for you. Thank you. Yeah. I haven't. I have talked to some of the roughest people, some of the people that have no spirituality, people that have no religion, that are telling me, uh, "Wow, I, hey, go for it." I'm like, "Oh, you don't think I'm crazy?" No, man, I think you're right on the right track. And that's another thing. I was looking again for confirmations, and I have not had one friend or one anybody uh, discourage me from what I'm doing. It hmm. seems like Krishna consciousness is welcoming <clears throat> with open arms. God, I have Krishna's blessing. Okay. Well, I do have this question. Go for it. Well, if you go, uh, you know, you see the doctor and you're going to have a procedure done, they they always uh, require an emergency contact. Yes. If things go awry, who 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 are you gonna who 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 are you gonna rely on? And when you come and live here, there's gonna be difficulties. There's gonna be spots. I, I would even predict that things are gonna go awry here <laughs> now and then. Who's your emergency contact here? Uh, and I don't mean I, I mean a, a person. You know, I mean, like, 
Who is here? Gary. That, Gary. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. That was my question. Yeah. yeah. Since Champak has moved on to the, the Bhakti Center in New York City, uh, and Gary is facilitating the sessions over in Bhakti Lounge, um, mostly by himself, uh, I, we've got to really see him and the wisdom that pours from his mouth mm. uh, is just is just incredible. I, I, I've already turned to him. I said, I'm going to be like the gum on your shoe. I said, I'm going to be there all the time asking you questions. And he's given me great answers, great guidance. Uh, mm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, he's the real deal. And this, and this boils down yet to this is my, my evolutionary spiritual path. This isn't about other people, you know. The world can uh, affect your spiritual life. Your church or temple or religious center, it can affect your spiritual life. But the bottom line is, is what is your focus? Is your focus, soon as, soon as Peter took his focus off of Jesus, when he was walking on the water across to Jesus in the boat, soon as he looked at the water, all the trouble around him, the water, the possibilities of drowning, he immediately sank. And he screams out for Jesus' hand, you know. And soon as he had his eyes back on Christ, back up he was and in yeah. the boat safely. You know, and not exactly the same thing, but a similar thing happened in the Rasalila, where all the gopis uh, around Krishna, they started to realize, wow, this is pretty great. We're pretty much we're pretty much the best gopis around, and Krishna disappeared. <laughs> oh yeah. <laughs> well, that's his way. I'm learning. That's his well, way. I'm learning. Yeah, yeah. I mean, things worked out in the end, awesome. but he did disappear for a while. Oh, okay. yeah, yeah. <laughs> I understand. I understand. He always yeah. has our back. Uh, yeah, and this is what I want to learn more too. I want to be here for the morning sessions where they're discussing the uh, Sriman Bhagavatam. Mm -hmm. You know, there's just so much more I want to learn uh, because you hear me quoting a bunch of of stuff about Jesus and Christ and and the Bible and things like that. But there is so much the more so in the Vedic teachings that uh, yeah. Are, are, and you know that that that's that's helpful to know, but there's no substitute for just being useful to the to the people who who may actually be going to the spiritual world yeah. you know what i mean yeah. i mean <clears throat> i don't really aspire to go to the spiritual world i think that's like me trying to join the nba okay but i might be of service to people who could, could get there yeah you know what i mean oh so yeah that's definitely. sort of the, definitely no, I'm no Swami, I'll tell you that. <laughs> <laughs> well, and I, I might sit here and think that I know it all, or sit, sound like I know it all, but I know so little. No, no, you don't come across that I know so little, and I am so open, and uh, as we chant, our voices is like a baby crying out for his mother or his father. No. Um, I feel that association, and... Uh, whether, no matter what you want to call Krishna, because uh, he has many names, innumerable, uh, I still have that burning desire for that relationship and that that bond and that oneness once again. Yeah. And, and so far, from July till now, I've been getting more than my fair share. 
and I love it. Yeah. Well, I think that's a that's a great place to wrap up our talk. Um, I really do look forward to getting back to you after you've been here a while. <laughs> um, you've been listening to Questions for the Sages. I'm Michael Scherer. Thank you for listening. Thank you, Levi. Your story is very interesting, and I am looking forward to seeing how temple life suits you. Thanks to Rico Hayes for the theme music, and to Miriam Lansky for discussions about how to approach the subject matter of the podcast. Thank you also to the Hare Krishna community of Potomac, Maryland, for making this podcast possible. I'm Michael Scherer, and you've been listening to Questions for the Sages. Questions for the Sages